Hello, I'm Derek Walker, the pastor of the Oxford Bible Church. And uh, we're in a series called Christian Foundations. And we're really focusing on how we can live in victory over sin. And uh, first of all, we need to understand, of course, that the foundation, not just for our, our eternal salvation, but the foundation for our very life now, for our being and for our life, is Christ himself. Not doctrine about Christ, but Christ himself. And we, that's in 1 Corinthians 3. It says, no other foundation can anyone lay than that which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. And so it's important to have the knowledge of the word of God. And, but what the word of God does primarily is it points us to Christ himself. So we put our trust in him. We need to know about him. We need to know what he did on the cross, who he is. And that is so that we might then put our trust in him and live by faith in him. And so when we receive Jesus as Lord, he became our firm foundation for our eternal salvation. Uh, but now, as Colossians says, as you have therefore received Christ Jesus the Lord, so now walk in him, rooted and built up in him. Now he is your foundation, not just for salvation, but your whole life. And you are to live out from your relationship with him, trusting in him as the source of our life and our love and our peace and our joy and everything, really. And so as we do that, we will produce the fruit of the Spirit and, and good works. Faith, the faith in our heart is, is the attitude of depending on him trusting in him, submitting to him. And that is what connects us to the foundation. And that is the channel through which his grace flows in our life. So the more we submit our hearts to him, to Christ, the living Christ, the more his grace can flow, empowering us and enabling us to live in victory over sin. And so that's where it starts. We submit our heart to Christ. We receive him as our Lord and Savior. And now we need to build our lives, these lives here right now, on the foundation. And Jesus told us how we are to do that. He says it's important, part of doing that, we build our life through his words. We receive his words and we do his words. And they are like the bricks that as we absorb the word and do the word, the house of our life is built. But we cannot do it in our own strength. We have to, again, do all of this through depending on the power of the Holy Spirit that he gives us. Now, he says this in Matthew 7, verse 24. It's a theme verse for this series. Jesus said, whoever hears these sayings of mine, his words, and does them, I will liken him to a wise man who built his house on the rock, on the foundation, which is Christ himself. But how you build your house is by hearing and doing his words. And so the rain descended, the floods came and the winds blew and beat on that house and it did not fall for it was founded on the rock. So the most important thing is to have the right foundation and then to build on that foundation. And so receiving Christ means the foundation is established there. But as a Christian, you can actually actually build your life not on the foundation but on the sinking sands of your own mind and thoughts and emotions and whatever you build will fall down even if you are saved eventually and the bible describes that as wood hay and stubble 
And uh, so it's important to build on his foundation by receiving his word and his spirit and putting that into practice. And um, the Bible identifies certain key foundational doctrines called the milk of the word, the elementary principles of Christ. These are the things that have to be received and put into practice first before you can go on to the higher revelations. You build a house from the ground up. You don't start with the roof. And so a lot of people want to go on to higher revelations and they haven't even received the elementary principles. It's like a baby. You don't feed a baby with, with meat. It needs the milk. It has to take in the milk, grow up by receiving the milk, and then it will be ready for the meat. And so the milk of the word are these foundational teachings that we are endeavoring to communicate in this series. And Hebrews 6 tells us what they are. It says, leaving again, the, leaving the discussion of the elementary principles of Christ, he says, you should have the foundation in place now, the basic doctrines. Let's move on now to greater things. But he says, leaving the discussion of the elementary principles of Christ, let us go on to perfection or maturity, not laying again the foundational teachings, really, of repentance from dead works and of faith toward God. There's a few others too, but the first two are absolutely primary because uh, they are the the basis for for our whole life, our whole Christian life. Repentance from dead works, faith toward God. You see, we need the word in our heart to, to to build anything. We can't, it's pointless building it out of our own strength. That's just wood, hay and stubble. What the quality of the building is, has to come from the Word of God, the eternal Word of God, if it's going to stand. And so we've got to get the Word in our heart. But it's no good trying to put the Word into practice in your own strength. And so you, we also need to depend on the Spirit of God as our source of life and power in order to do the Word. And that's why these two foundational doctrines come first. We've got to really take these into our heart and life. They are foundational for living under grace and walking in victory over sin. In other words, repentance from dead works means we have to, in our whole Christian life, in all our endeavors to put the Word of God into action, we've got to repent from trying to do it in our own strength, from living out from our own soul, even with the best intentions. It will only produce dead works. And so there's a repentance. There's a, have to be acknowledge, acknowledgement. I can't do this in my own strength. I need the grace of God. And so you repent from your dead works and from the old way of living, of trusting in yourself and leaning on your own understanding. You surrender control to God and you surrender yourself to the Spirit of God, to the grace of God, and that's faith toward God. You are looking to God as the source of your life, of your wisdom, of your righteousness, and you're living out from that. So that is the forms the whole basis of how you live your whole Christian life, of, of all putting the different words of God into action. That's why those two are first, repentance from dead works and faith toward God. They are foundational for living under grace. Well, we're particularly focusing on living in victory over sin. And last time we saw what the sin, begin to saw what the sin problem is. We saw that there were three kinds of sin, or sin exists on three dimensions. But in each case, 
God has the answer. Jesus died on the cross. He dealt with all the three dimensions of sin and he released the three dimensions of righteousness to give us that victory over sin. And last time we started by, uh, well, let me quickly remind you what these three are. First of all, we were born uh, in a state of sin. The state of sin is a legal term that represents the fact that when Adam sinned, this is original sin, when Adam sinned, we were in Adam. Adam was the head of the human race. And we were in Adam, so when we sinned, we, sorry, when Adam sinned, through our union with Adam, we sinned in Adam. You see, we're not created like the angels, which were all individuals. But we were created as a human race. And therefore, we're all connected to each other. And in particular, we're connected to our head, which is Adam. When Adam sinned, all of us then are now legally guilty in Adam through being in Adam. And uh, that might not seem fair, but for instance, if, you, if our Prime Minister waged war on R Russia, we, because we are under his headship, if you like, then we would be at war with Russia because of our union and our, our relationship to, to him. And so Adam declared war on God and all humanity in Adam then came into the state of sin. And so that is the first problem. And uh, we saw that uh, Jesus died. Uh, the second problem, I should finish this, the second problem is that that is called imputed sin, that Adam's sin was imputed to our account. The second problem is imparted sin. When Adam sinned in that way, he, a sin nature came into his flesh. And that's imparted sin. And instead of being led and dependent on God and living out from his spirit under God's control, he now had this sin nature in, in his flesh and now he became a slave to that sin nature. And that sin nature caused him to live independently from God. And that sin nature was transmitted by physical birth to every human being that's ever lived. The only exception, of course, being Jesus. Because he was born of a virgin, he did not receive a sin nature because the sin nature is transmitted through the Father. And so we all received a sin nature in the flesh and we all have a sin nature in the flesh that, co that causes us to operate independently from God. And so we were sinners by nature. Uh, we were conceived in sin. Nobody had to teach us to sin. It came naturally. <laughs> and so that's the second problem, the sin nature. And in the Bible, it's always in the singular. When you see sin in the singular, it's a reference to the sin nature. And then the third aspect of sin is, of course, our personal sins. When we yield to the sin nature, we, we commit personal sins, which add to our guilt before God. So for Jesus to set us free from sin, he had to actually deal with all three of these areas. The amazing thing is that Jesus, in his plan, he's done everything necessary to set us free from sin. First of all, on the cross, he set us free from the penalty of sin. Uh, now, by his spirit within us, he sets us free from the power of sin, and that's what we're majoring on. And then eventually, when we are resurrected, 
with a brand new body, and there will be no sin nature. We will be free even from the presence of sin. Praise God for Jesus. And so those are the three aspects of sin. And uh, we saw last time, and we're seeing how Jesus gives us the victory over all these three areas of sin. Well, number one, he dealt with our state of sin, that imputed sin. How did he do that? Well, we, we were in a state of sin because we were in Adam. What Jesus did on the cross was awesome. He became the second Adam. In other words, he became an alternative representative of the human race. If all mankind is automatically in Adam and doomed because of that sin, but now the second Adam comes along, who lives a perfectly righteous life, and on the cross he offers up his righteousness to God on our behalf, so that if we choose to say, Jesus, be my Lord, we receive him as our head, our representative head, we are then, God takes us out of Adam and he puts us into Christ. Praise God. So now, just as Adam's sin was put to our account, making us guilty, so now in Christ, all of Christ's righteousness is put to our account. This is imputed righteousness. Praise God. And now we have the righteousness of Christ. Just as in Adam, we didn't do anything, and yet we were guilty. So in Christ, if we accept Christ as our head, even without committing one righteous act, we are righteous through Christ and accepted by God. That is awesome. And so when we receive Christ, we are taken out of Adam and put into Christ. His perfect righteousness is imputed to us as a free gift, and this puts us in right relationship with God. So now we are standing on that foundation. And now we are under grace, the Bible says. We can receive the life of God freely. It's given to us freely. We can, you can receive as much of God's life as you want because you are in that state of righteousness before God. Even when you sin, by the way, you're, you need to confess it. But that doesn't change the fact that you're in a state of righteousness before God and you have access to the grace of God. And so just as in Adam we were all in a state of sin before we ever committed a sin, so in Christ we're in a state of righteousness even before we commit a righteous act. And on the basis of this imputed righteousness, God declares us forgiven and righteous. And this is called justification. Let me just read that to you. and You'll see this in Romans 5. It says, If by the one man's offense death reigned through the one, that's Adam. Much more, those who receive the abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness will reign in life through the one Jesus Christ, our new head. Therefore, as through one man's offense, judgment came to all men, resulting in condemnation, even so, through one man's righteous act, the free gift came to all men, resulting in justification of life. So, for as by one man's disobedience many were made sinners, so also by one man's obedience many will be made righteous. And so the first thing God does is he gives us that righteousness, that state of righteousness, replacing that state of sin. And on that basis we can receive life from God through faith. And, and Jesus accomplished that by the divine exchange on the cross. He offered up his righteousness for us and he took all our sin. 
And when we receive Jesus as our head, that transaction is accomplished in us. We're taken out of Adam, we're put into Christ, and then that transaction is accomplished in Christ. It's all provided in Christ. So when you are put in Christ, hallelujah, it's automatically done. And your sin is remitted, and you are given the righteousness of Christ. And because we are in Christ, simply because of that, we possess his righteousness. And on that basis, we stand before God. Hallelujah. And we are fully accepted through Christ's righteousness. So that's the first level. But what about the next one, which is imparted sin, the sin nature in our flesh? Jesus said he would set us free from the sin nature. That is in John chapter 8. He said, most assuredly, I say to you, whoever commits sin is a slave of sin. So that's all of us. We've all committed sin. But he says the reason for that is you're slave of sin, of that sin nature in your flesh. And it's, the, it's like a slave master. And if you're not born again, you've got no choice but to surrender, to submit to that slave master. And a slave does not abide in the house forever, but a son abides forever. What Jesus is saying here is, even though the Jews had a special privilege in, in God's kingdom, nevertheless, if they're still a slave to sin, that time's going to run out. And um, they'll be lost like anyone else is lost. But a son abides forever. You, once you're a, made a son of God through Christ, praise God, you're set free from this slavery of sin. And Jesus is saying, actually, he is not a slave of sin. He is a son. And he's a free man. Because if he was a slave, he couldn't set us free from sin. But because he's the son of God, he's free from sin. And he can pay the price to set us free from sin. And then he says, therefore, if the Son makes you free from sin, he's talking about free from sin, if the Son makes you free, you shall be free indeed. Jesus has come to set us free from the power of the sin nature. Hallelujah. Now, it's true though, even as believers, we still have the sin nature in our flesh. Because the new birth changed your spirit, but it didn't change your flesh. And so as long as you have your present mortal body, you have the sin nature to deal with. John 1, 8 says, If we say we have no sin, that is no sin nature, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. And so we don't know the word of God. If we deny the fact we've got a sin nature, even as Christians, we're born again, we're perfect in our spirit, we still have a sin nature in the flesh. If you deny that, you just don't know the word of God. Nevertheless, even though we have the sin nature, the situation has changed because Jesus has made provision for us to be free from the power of the sin nature. We, we can live in victory over the sin nature and we can live in the power of righteousness. And that's why believers are called overcomers. What is the main thing you overcome? Yeah, you overcome in your circumstances, but the greatest overcoming you'll ever do is over sin, over your flesh. And so God did this in two ways. Number one, as I say, if, you, if you're not born again, you've got no choice but to um, yield to the sin nature. But what God did is provided a new birth for your spirit. And he put his spirit within you. That's the first solution to the sin problem. Our spirit was made alive with Christ and our spirit was raised with Christ far above all sin and evil powers. And 
made to sit with Christ in a place of dominion over all these things. Hallelujah. And so your, our spirit was joined to Jesus' spirit and the life of Jesus, which has already overcome sin, is in your spirit. So your spirit has victory over sin automatically. And when you walk in the spirit, you automatically have victory over sin. Your spirit is perfect in Christ. And the Holy Spirit lives in your spirit, praise God. And it's, so it's full of his life. And so what this means is now God has now established a base of operation in your life, in your spirit. And so if we live out from that base of operation, from that foundation, Christ in us, hallelujah. If we live by his grace through faith and walk in the spirit, we will not sin because the power of the spirit is far greater than the power of the sin nature. But if, however, you live according to the flesh, you'll automatically come under the sin nature. That's if you live soulishly by your own self-life. But you don't have to anymore. God's provided a new way of living. And as you submit to the Spirit, uh, as you walk in the, in the Spirit, you will not fulfill the desires of the flesh, as Galatians says. And so he's given you a new way of living. Be, as you're filled with the Spirit and walk in the Spirit from His foundation, you will experience freedom from sin. So the first answer to imparted sin in the flesh is that God doesn't actually remove that sin nature yet, but He gives you imparted righteousness in your spirit, giving you this new way of living. And, and Jesus taught, referenced that when He says, if the Son makes you free, you will be free indeed. If he makes you free from sin, you'll be free indeed. And so what Jesus has done is he set your spirit, the real you, the core of your being, he has set your spirit free from sin. Hallelujah. Your spirit is free from sin. The real you is free from sin. However, it's not true about your mind, will, your soul, uh, necessarily. And, and there's more explanation about this in 2 Corinthians 3. He says, now the Lord is the spirit and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. So wherever the Spirit of God is, there is liberty from sin. What that means is that the Holy Spirit, in the new birth, the Holy Spirit went into your spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. In other words, your spirit now is free from sin. So God has done a, an amazing start in you in setting your spirit free from sin. And also, of course, the more of the Spirit the more you're filled with the Spirit and the more the Spirit comes into your soul, the more your soul becomes free from sin, your mind, your will, your emotions. Through the presence of the Spirit in you, you become free from the power of the sin nature. So God has done this initial work in us. And then uh, we, we, Romans chapter 8 actually describes how we can walk in victory over sin. Um, in chapter 8, verse 1, he says, there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. You know, it starts by knowing your legal standing before God. You see, if you don't know that you ha are in a state of righteousness before God, that you are justified, that, that you are on legal, solid ground with God, right standing with God, you'll, you, 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 you can't get started in this. You've got to know that God has 
taken you out of Adam. He's put you into Christ. And now there is no condemnation. In other words, you are fully accepted by God through Christ's merit. And therefore you have access to the grace of God to, to walk in the spirit. You have to understand imputed righteousness as the foundation. He says, you've got to know that there's no condemnation for those in Christ. And then he goes on to describe how we get free from the power of sin. And it's through the, this power of the Spirit. He says, for the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. In other words, there are two laws in action in you. There's the law of sin and death, which means every time you walk in the flesh, you come under the power of the sin nature and it produces death in your life. But there's also the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus. As you walk according to that law, you will experience more and more life. And it's, I compare it to an aeroplane taking off because there's the force of gravity pulling you down. That's like the law of sin and death. And the law of gravity doesn't go away. But when an aeroplane takes off, another law kicks in called the law of lift, which is more powerful. And so uh, the law of the spirit of life makes us free from the law of sin and death. In other words, when you trust in the power of God, like those aeroplane engines, those, that, that overpowers the law of sin and death and you can rise up above the limitations of that law. The law of the spirit of life sets me free from the law of death. So, so overcoming sin is simply trusting in Christ as your source, allowing the Holy Spirit to fill you, and then living out from his power, you will automatically live in victory over sin. And uh, the other thing that Christ did for us is he judged the sin nature in the flesh. And that means it no longer has a legal right to rule you, you, you can choose not to submit to the sin nature. You can choose to submit to God's grace and righteousness instead because it was your slave master, but it has no right to rule you anymore. That's what Romans 8 says. God sent his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh on account of sin, on account of the sin nature. He condemned sin in the flesh. That's where the sin is. It's in the flesh, but Jesus judged it so that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the spirit. And, and really it's like Satan, like with Satan. Satan is still present, his demons still present, but the, our relationship's different now because we have authority over him. We're not under his kingdom anymore. And in the same way, the sin nature's still present, but it no longer has authority over it. We have dominion over the sin nature. And as we walk in the spirit, we overcome. There's a book that fits perfectly with this series on Christian foundations called Growing Up Spiritually. And this is so important that we know the foundational teachings whereby we can grow spiritually. And uh, let me recommend this book. It's, uh, it's, it's not very expensive. Growing Up Spiritually gives you many of the key teachings in this series and, and others too. Thank you for watching. You can watch more of our teachings on our Oxford Bible Church Roku channel and Derek Walker YouTube channel. You're most welcome to join us at our church services which are every Sunday at 11am and 6pm at Cheney School, Headington, Oxford, OX3 7QH. 
You can order CDs, DVDs, books and other great products from our online shop at www.oxfordbiblechurch.co.uk or by calling 01865 515 086.